Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Renee. Renee was born in San Pedro Sula, Honduras, and currently resides in Virginia with her husband and kids. She is very passionate about immigration reform and fighting racial inequality. Renee loves learning about other cultures by experimenting with different cuisines, um, and her and her husband, especially her husband, can cook, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like we talk about food porn that's what goes on (laughs) in her social media (laughs) and she loves a good end of season sale and also her plants I kill all plants so right now I have kept one plant alive for several years and it's because I read online it's really hard to kill disclaimer I only get zz plants and snake plants because you can't really kill them (laughs) so I love my plants (laughs) You're like, I love like plants I can't kill too. Cool. I have I got somebody got me a cactus for my birthday and I'm like, oh those are hard to kill. Okay, that's cool. Did you kill it? No, it's alive. I, I killed one once, though it's okay. <laughs> I Googled I'm like, how often should I water this thing? Hey. <laughs> I either overwater them or I don't water them enough, and that's how I kill them. But I have a plant in my in that I've had for like several years in my um bedroom that I I will go literally a month without freaking watering that thing and it stays alive. I don't. Know those how. are the best. It's, those are the best. It is because then I can't <laughs> kill it. So Renee, I asked you to come on because you shared well you share a bit about your background all the time, yeah. um, but you immigrated into the United States. I did. Could you share a little bit um, about your childhood and growing up and then, you know, your immigration story with us? Yeah. So um, I was born in San Pedro Sula in Honduras. It's um, not the capital of the country, but it's the industrial capital. Uh, one of the biggest cities in Central America. Uh, very beautiful. Unfortunately, gets a really bad reputation for crime. Um, but from what I know, and like from, you know, the places I lived and everything in the city, it's really beautiful. Um, so my mom was a bilingual teacher, one of the, at the time, one of the best schools in Honduras. My dad, he worked for a, a computer engineering company. And so my siblings and I, we actually grew up going to the bilingual school because my mom taught there. So we, you know, we grew up speaking English. Um, our cousins, our families, like getting to know Honduras, like road trips every weekend to the beach. To Honduras is a beautiful place. So I would say it was a pretty, pretty chill childhood. <laughs> um, and then um, as the years went by, like drugs started coming into the city and became more of an issue and we always lived in not rich neighborhoods but um we were rich but we always lived in pretty decent neighborhoods um pretty safe neighborhoods and we were actually victims of crime several times um and basically that's what led to my parents deciding in the end like we need to move so our kids can have a safer 
lifestyle, you know, not have to worry about, are we going to unload our kids from the car and get shot or. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the place I lived in Virginia. (laughs) I I mean, I know some places over here. There are some areas in Virginia that are definitely like that. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, it it was a pretty normal childhood. Um, We played outside. I mean, Honduras is beautiful. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that, that was it. So how old were you when you immigrated to the United States? I was 12. Um, and I have two siblings. My brother was 10 and my sister is eight. And um, basically, I don't know, do you want me to talk about yeah. what kind of... Tell us uh, all the things. <laughs> all the things. Okay. So um, basically little things started happening. Like I said, we always lived in um, pretty safe neighborhoods. The first thing was when my aunt was actually dropping off my cousin at her house. And people followed her, well, these um, thieves followed her. And as she was getting out of the car and into our house, they actually tried to steal her car, which they did successfully. And they shot at my aunt into our house while we were in the front, just playing in the yard. Fortunately, no one got injured. But that was pretty big to be like, okay, well, can't be doing that anymore. Um. You know, things like that happened. Like, I remember one time my parents were at church. My brother and I were left behind with our babysitter. Again, pretty safe neighborhood. Um, and out of nowhere, like, there's just gunshots, like, going on. And for some reason, my brother and I decided it was a very good idea to climb the wall out of our house. Because we have we had, like, these brick, not even fences, just, like, it, it looked kind of like a prison to you know, make sure your house was safe, and uh, head to the church where my parents were, which was within walking distance, but now looking back on that, that was not a good idea. <laughs> Kids don't have prefrontal cortex working fully. <laughs> so, uh, so that was scary, <laughs> like, um, and then one of the, actually, I think the deciding factors for my parents uh, was when my uncle he owned an import-export company in San Pedro Sula. And um, my dad, he worked with computers. So one day after school, he picked us up, picked my mama from school. And he's like, all right, well, let's go ahead and stop by your uncle's really quick. Just got to help him figure something out with the computers. Turns out that um, that day, they were making a huge deposit. And I guess somehow it got leaked. Well, we were there. And these guys come in and they just start throwing around bleach bottles and lollipops bottles. And we're like, okay, well, that's kind of sketchy. And so my mom and I kind of looked at each other. Like I was 11 at this point. Like, like we should probably head out of here, you know? And right. so as, as my mom is trying to tell my dad, like, hey, let's go. Um, these guys pulled out AK-47s. And... Wow. Um, held my brother, my sister, my mom, and I at gunpoint behind the, um, the, like, the cases, the, gosh, yeah, (laughs) behind the stands with their AK-47s pointing at us, telling us, like, little kids, 11, 9, and 7 at the time, to shut up and telling my mom, if you don't shut them up, shut them up, I will shoot them. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and um, the whole time they had my dad 
at gunpoint with a gun to his head. And at one point, like when everything was over, they brought my uncle and my dad outside to make sure that they didn't try calling the cops or didn't follow them. And I remember when we were inside just hearing a gunshot and thinking, crap, they probably shot my dad. Right. Um, <laughs> and at that point, my parents were like, okay, like, we're not out looking for trouble. We're living in like a good area. There's not much more that we can do to keep our families safe. So it's time for us to start looking at other options. Not to mention financially, like the country was just going downhill. But the biggest thing was safety. And um, I think there's so many people think like, oh, no, like, these criminals are moving to our country, you know, to the United States, and they want to take our jobs. Like, let me tell you, my parents, my mom was a successful teacher. My dad worked at a great company. Like, I had a great childhood, great friends. Like, we weren't trying to come here and, you know, but uh, we were also were not trying to get killed in Honduras. Right. So, um, that was... It was like a spring, even though in Honduras, there's really only summer, but um, it was around spring. They were like, okay, we really need to look into our options. Um, so my mom's dad was, and I say was because he passed, um, a U.S. citizen. Oh, okay. And one of the ways you can come into the country is if your parent is a U.S. citizen, they can petition for you. And so that's where my mom was like, hmm, we can do this. We can do it this way. And this was, again, in 2000, and that's how my parents chose, you know, to come to the U.S. I don't know if you have any questions or... Oh, I mean, no, <laughs> I'm just like, I actually I was... didn't, I didn't really know um, that if you had a family member that was a U.S. citizen that you could petition. So my grandfather is also an immigrant from Canada, though. <laughs> Oh, he actually, he immigrated from Canada, um, and joined the U.S. Army, but he wasn't a U.S. citizen at the time, so I guess you can join the military if you're not a U.S. citizen. Which Um, is a price thing. A lot of people don't know that, but then they make you become a citizen during boot camp most of the time, which, I mean, makes sense, duh, but, um, yeah. This was way back in the day. This is a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) My grandparents are not spring. So this was like probably like 50 years ago. So I don't think he had to become a citizen then. But my grandmother and him got married. And I remember him telling us that he had to take whatever he had to do to become a U.S. citizen. Um, So it was easier for him because his family actually live back and forth between us and canada because we had we have family members in in canada and family members in the us and so they kind of like come here and live here for a little while and they go back so it's not even like even though he grew up in the french canadian area he was bilingual so he knew trust me he knows how to swear in in french because i mean he when he gets mad he does so he um but for him i guess with canada it's they're more, there's not as much a stigma. Yeah, it's more laid back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, especially in upstate New York where you're literally bordering <laughs> Canada. So, um, but you hadn't, your Honduras, correct me if I'm wrong, was one of the shithole countries that Trump oh, yeah. referred to. Yeah. Like, you know I'm what, not I'm calling a... it a shithole country. I'm saying like, <laughs> 
that's where his head's at with this whole well it's funny because when you were reading my bio i was going to correct you and say it's san pedro sula shithole country (laughs) honduras yeah he uh we're not anybody listening uh, renee and i are not big fans so (laughs) just putting that out there so did you guys come um, across any issues when you immigrated here? So, so, okay, so it's really tricky because a lot of people assume that because my grandpa petitioned us, we quote unquote did it the right way. We did do it the right way uh, in the sense that we try to follow the, the law. Yeah. However, what a lot of people don't understand is that the immigration system is so broken yeah um and i'll gladly talk to you about all that yes absolutely (laughs) so so the law that my that my grandpa petitioned my mom under this was we we moved here august 25th 2000 that's the that's the day that we set foot in the states we flew here uh which i know a lot of people are not fortunate some other people have you know, cross the borders and do all that. No, we got on a flight, got to Ohio, and right. here we are, right? But um, so the law allowed for my grandpa to petition us once we were here. So even though we were in a tourist visa, we immediately filed for that um, permanent status. Right. It, it didn't used to take so long, but then 9-11 happened. Mm. 9-11 basically made it a 10-year process. Holy crap. Um, so our immigration um, situation wasn't completed until 2009, 2010. And my parents filed as soon as we got here in 2000. So a lot of people say, they'll ask, like, why didn't you do it the right way? Well, first of all, not everyone qualifies because unless you're seeking asylum and approved, most of the time you do have to have a U.S. citizen family member petition for you. Right. And it's, it's usually only like your parent or your kid that will really, because if a sibling did it, it would take forever. No one has that time when you're trying to leave a quote unquote shithole country. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, hey, I'm uh, having AK-47s pointed at my head, but sure, take your time. No. Right. So, um, so a lot of people didn't realize that even though we had filed for, for our permanent residency that didn't grant us protection. Even though my parents had paid all that money up front, it didn't mean that like if for whatever reason, um, ICE like happens to stop us or whatever, we couldn't be deported. Now we're great people. We've like, my parents have always paid taxes. And there's another misconception is that we take taxes from everyone and like benefits. Right. Or that you can even qualify for yeah, benefits you, because that's not a thing either. Look, like seriously, you can't. <laughs> My parents pay taxes every year that we've lived here. And up until we received our green card in 2009-2010, they never got a tax return. So they were contributing in, you know, to the country and not getting that money in return. And that was fine. Like we understood why you still don't have a permanent, you know, resident status but um there's a lot of misconceptions that illegal immigrants just come here to take money now yes there are exceptions where people try to take advantage of the system but for the most part no 
there's exceptions to all of the stereotypes. Like, <laughs> the stereotypes are the exception most of the time to the rule. Like the stereotypes that people have in their heads of all things um, are usually not actually the realistic of the majority of the people. Do you know what I mean? Um, except when it comes to, you know, certain supporters of people. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been wrong with those. I've not been wrong but... myself, so that's why I'm putting it out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but you know what? And that's the thing. It's like, as long as the, as the immigration system is broken, it will make it easy because sure, I find it so funny that, that Trump is like, I'm gonna build this huge great wall. Guess what? People wanna come to the country, a wall is not gonna stop them. No! find a way. Like I am telling you, your wall, sure, build it all you want. It's, this is really not gonna stop anyone. You're just wasting money. So like, I did, I, this is my second immigrant podcast. Um, And I wanted to interview you because she came across a different way. So she came across in her uncle's car with a passport and just outstayed her passport forever. (laughs) Yeah, see, and technically that's what we did with our passport, except we flew. Right. And she eventually became, she actually didn't know she was here, quote unquote, illegally, um, until yeah. she was like a young adult and her, she, I don't remember, you have to listen, I'll link it up in the show notes. People have to listen um, to the whole story, but she ended up um, petitioning to become a citizen. And she talked about how long it took, how expensive it was, like Holy everything. Crap, like, yeah. So she came across in the backseat of her uncle's car. <laughs> Look, people are going to get here one yeah. way or another. Like you're huge wall is not gonna stop them exactly like, you're just wasting money <laughs> and i mean they've already proven people can dig tunnels underneath they can put ladders over like, it. <laughs> have you seen narcos come no. on oh great show by the way oh okay i'll have to check it out but uh yeah they like dig tunnels like it's no big deal like come on you know it's but yeah, that's another thing you said it's expensive and that's what people don't realize we, so for our permanent, our green card, our permanent resident status, we were family five. It cost my parents around $15,000. That was not like with lawyer fees and everything they paid in the beginning. Um, now tell me if you're leaving a quote unquote shithole country because you want a better life. How many people do you really think are going to be able to afford that and right. do it the right way? You know? Like, they're poor. They can't. Right. Like, you, you got to make it more realistic. And we were lucky that we were able to sell our house in Honduras and, you know, cover those fees. But again, not everyone has, mm-hmm. you know, the, they're not able to get that money and cover it. Um, that's not realistic. Like, you need to look at a reform financially, but also the way that you're allowing people into the country, make it, you want people to come here and do it the right way, make it more accessible. Yes. You know, because otherwise, I mean. Right. (laughs) So did you have any issues while you guys were waiting for your green card to go through? Yes. So, um, because never with the law, like we never, you know, ran into trouble with the law. However, 
because we still didn't have a permanent status, I couldn't legally get a license until I had that, until I had those documents. And a lot of people I, I see on like So you Facebook, were in your 20s before you got, or almost 20? Almost 20. Well, yeah. So I was able to get the license before, before I was 20. But yeah, I couldn't drive because legally I couldn't. And that's what people don't understand. You know, like I see on news, like stories, people commenting all the time, these illegals are going to come here and just get a license and they're going to be able to vote. And they can't like, vote if you're not a U.S. citizen. Like, are you serious? They're like, yeah, but they can just walk into the polls and with their license and you're giving them a license. No, nah, dude, come on. Like, let me tell you how it works. Like, you can't. You can't. You uh, is, am I correct that this is going to be the first time you're able to vote? That's right. Did I read that right? You did. You did. So um, even though I could have applied for my citizenship a few years ago, <laughs> I procrastinated <laughs> because I did. So for your citizenship, it's seven hundred and twenty-five dollars, which is way better than fifteen thousand. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it eventually because when, what people don't realize is that. When you have a green card, the only thing you can't do, the only right that you don't have compared to a citizen is the right to vote or to have like a government job. Gotcha. I was like, all right, well, I can do everything. Like, and I'll just wait. Is, is your husband a U.S. citizen? Yeah, he is. He okay. was born in Louisiana. He just oh. looks brown. You're <laughs> like, he just looks brown. <laughs> he doesn't even speak Spanish. He has a brown last name, but you know. <laughs> he gave me a brown last name, but I'm definitely more brown. Like seriously, how do you go from Schnadel, my maiden last name, to Estrada? Thanks to someone who doesn't even speak Spanish. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> uh, so that's another thing. A lot of people assume that I got my citizenship through my husband. Right. I wish, because then that would have been a lot sooner. But no. What's funny is that actually. Um, so from the moment you get your green card, if you get it the way we did through a relative that's not your spouse, you have to wait six years until you're able to apply for your um, citizenship. I waited 10. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah. I just procrastinated a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. So, you know, so that's why this is my first election that I'll uh, get to vote in. And I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's an important one. I will not be mailing it in too, so. I am actually going to get my absentee ballot, but um, here they have in front of, and it's a small, I live in a small town, um, in the rural Connecticut. <laughs> so the, in front of the, oh, is it the town office building or town hall or something? They have a box that you can put it in. Yeah. I think they do here too. But and I, I told my husband, I'm like, maybe I should because of COVID. Then I was like, you know what? Mm, my first election, like, I think it's, it's a pretty big one, too. Right. So uh, I'll risk it. I'll go in, obviously, like, you know, with all precautions and, you know, but because um, I did consider sending it in. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's got to be exciting. <laughs> you know what? You're like, I'm excited. This is the first time I'm able to vote. And I'm like, I literally voted for the first time like four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was born and raised in the United States. I don't blame you, though. A lot of people don't. And, you know, technically, I could have voted for Honduran presidents while I lived here. 
but what's the point? I'm not directly affected by those laws. I just felt like that would have been unfair, you know? Um, right. So, and I mean, the U.S., I consider my home now, which is another yeah. thing is that, you know, people are saying, go back to your, not to me, but they'll say to people, go back to your home country. Like your parents, like shouldn't have brought you here. And like you mentioned, your friend didn't know she wasn't legal here until however she found out. That happens with a lot yeah. of kids. They don't realize that they're undocumented until they go and apply for a license or for a job or for college. And they're like, well, you don't really qualify. Well, why not? You know, um, there's another thing that so I always knew, like my parents, they always kept us informed. Um, so I always knew, like, I didn't qualify for a license. Right. And um, so actually, I always wanted to go to college. And my parents moving here, I knew they wanted us to go to college. Not that everyone should go to college, like, obviously, you right. know, but it was always. There are plenty of jobs that you could do yeah. that require a college degree. Exactly. Um, but, you know, psychology professors, not one of them. <laughs> you know, so. That, that's what I want to do when I grow up. I think you would be really great at it. I, I mean, I know you and yeah. I think you could help a lot of people. So, um, but what a lot of people don't realize is that you don't qualify for financial assistance for college. Not mm. only that, but I mean, lately the laws have changed. I don't know if you're familiar with DACA. Um, yeah, I, yes. And I, it was almost, he, Trump tried to repeal it. Yeah. Yes. So that'll allow. Because he's a good time. Right? <laughs> Just why not take away people's dreams? Like, why not crush them? <laughs> right? Um, so that was passed way after I even had my, my green card. So I never benefited from that. Um, but I know a lot of people that have, which is great. And even then, up until recently, even people that uh, are here on DACA don't qualify for financial assistance. So I was really lucky that my parents were able to afford private four-year college for me. Um, I mean, I wanted to go to in-state school, however I couldn't. So I ended up going to a private college and my parents paid over $25,000 a year for that. And had it not been for my parents being very financially savvy, savvy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't have happened. Like they couldn't afford you know, my brother's school, but then at that time, by the time he got to college, like, he was able to apply for help and everything, but, yeah. uh, people think that you're just coming here to steal jobs and, and do all this stuff, and no, like, you're just trying to contribute to this country, like, all right. I'm gonna do is help this country, like, be the America that my parents left for, you know, like, my parents thought America was great when they came here, like, if my mom was alive now, she would, like, I remember when she found out that Donald Trump was um, running for president, she was like, you sure as hell better go get your citizenship right now before he becomes president. <laughs> he's, he's about to make it not happen. <laughs> like, he's about to reveal that shit. <laughs> like, seriously. Um, it's so hard. Like, you know, you're really not here. I mean, most people aren't here to try to steal jobs or try to destroy your country or try to rape people or right. you know like no like I the documented immigrants that I know are some of the most hard-working honest people that I've ever met yeah um 
when I was in college, I worked at a, and this was when I already had my, my, my green card and everything, but I worked at a Mexican restaurant and I worked with a lot of undocumented people and holy crap, like seeing how much of hard workers they were, how dedicated, how honest, responsible, everything. Like I had already seen my dad and my mom growing up, like doing what they had to do to, to give us a better lifestyle. Like my mom cleaned houses my mom, a teacher in Honduras, you know, like my dad, my dad, who was the computer engineer came here to work in construction. Like it's not, people are not trying to destroy your country, you know? Right. I, um, when I lived in Virginia, we had this, uh, this house next door that, uh, it changed people like a couple of times. There was quite a few people living there. Um, the first batch of people, not so nice. They were not so <laughs> They were very loud, and I remember I brought the babies home, and Jeremy um, like went over and was like, "My wife just had two babies cut out of her. <laughs> they got out of the NICU, like, and they're like, no, I'm no English.' He's like, you can speak fucking English, Johnny. <laughs> Come because, on, oh, not because he's, he's racist for anybody. No, else. I know he's but because not. he's heard them speak English. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he's not. So. Um, but. Again, if I wanted to have stereotypes, I would stereotype everybody by them. And then we had a second group of people move in who were from Ecuador. And I was outside shoveling my driveway uh, one winter. Jeremy was like gone for his job. And um, my neighbor came over and he says, you want help? And I was like, oh, if you want, that would be great. And we're shoveling and I'm asking him about himself. And he's like, I- I'm from Ecuador. I've been here for like six years. Um, he's like, I'm saving up money to buy land back where I'm from. Cause I can buy a lot of land for a little amount of money yeah. and my family's there and I send money to support them, all of these things. So these guys, there was like three or four of them that lived there and they all worked together. I mean, they would come home beat down. You could tell they worked their asses off the nicest people ever. Like he saw me struggling. He could have just been like, fuck her. But he was like, no, I'm going to help her out. And I got to learn all about him, about his culture, about his family, about, he has like six siblings back in Ecuador. And, you know, his parents are still alive and all these, these things where I'm like, this guy's not the stereotype that people make them out to be. Like, you know, I wasn't going to ask personal questions about like his citizen immigrant status. That's none of my friggin' business, but like super nice guy, right? Yeah. Like just really here to work hard so that he can help support his family. And hopefully he, his goal was like, what did he say in four, four years from the, this maybe by now, maybe by now he has moved back to Ecuador, but his goal was in four years, he should have yeah. enough money to move back and purchase some land. Like a lot of people... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you, you go. A lot of people will do that. They're like, a lot of the guys that I, and I say guys because the majority work guys, um, would set a goal like, okay, I'll be here for five years. In those five years, I'm go, I'm like going to go ahead and, you know, save and they would have a goal. Um, several of the guys that I used to work with, and actually they'll message me still on Facebook and keep in touch. I worked there like over 10 years. Wait. 2011, 12, and now they're messaging me like, yeah, you know, I'm here, like I have a ranch, I have like this many cows and horses, and here's my baby, and this is my wife, like, they all came here to do what they said they would do, caused no problems, they left, you know, um, 
they didn't take anyone's job because guess what? Like the restaurant was still hiring. Like there's right. still were plenty of jobs. Um, you know, hard workers. I remember how much they would appreciate because they, they didn't have family here. Like you said, like a lot of them would just live in a group with like a house with like guys, right? Yeah, all yeah. Here to do the same thing. And so I would bake them like Rice Krispie treats or like brownies and how appreciative they were of that because they didn't have anyone caring for them. So here were these like grown men, like all tough and just melting at the fact that I would make them Rice Krispies and cared for them. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever been to a Hispanic store here, um, like anywhere here, but usually at lunchtime, you'll find a lot of like construction workers or even mm -hmm. restaurant workers because the, the women in the kitchen kind of take on a role of like a mom or whatever, like caring for this group of, of men that will come in every day and they'll like have the special food for them or, you know, because um, we don't have family here. Like I was yeah. lucky that my family came here together, but not everyone is lucky. Like around the holidays, they all hated it. Like they would get so depressed because some had kids back in Mexico, El Salvador, Guatemala, and mm -hmm. they were here by themselves while their, while their family was over there, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of stereotypes that are not true. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And it, like <laughs> I said, it was, you know, these guys would come back and, and I think they did construction. I, it seemed like they did construction from the truck that they drove. Yeah. And they were like super nice and worked so hard and they were, they were so like polite and so like just, I could have asked them for anything. Like yeah. you know, people, people try to say like, oh, they're just here to steal your money and they're a bunch of criminals and stuff. These guys were not criminals. <laughs> like They weren't bad hombres. They were good hombres. They were not. <laughs> like, or they were not bad. I mean, like, and I think that, um, you know, people have, I knew I grew up and I've said this a hundred bazillion times in a predominantly white area of the country, like super white. <laughs> And, and, and now there's more black people, but still when I go up there to see a brown person, not, not likely. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't really, I had preconceived notions before I moved to Norfolk, but then I meet all this. It was great. Like marrying my husband and moving away from my small town and moving to freaking Hampton Roads, Virginia, where melting everyone, people, yeah. all the people. <laughs> I got to meet people from all walks of life and it really like helped wake me up to like, oh, oh, these closed-minded ideals I grew up with, with racist freaking parents <laughs> yeah. are not true. Like they're not true at all. These stereo, and it, 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 this is, I told Renee, I had to take a break from Facebook because I'm starting to hate people. Um, <laughs> I see people I went to high school with who are saying like all these nasty things about immigrants and stuff like that. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you don't even know an immigrant. So. <laughs> you know what? And that, that's why, like, sometimes, like, I'm guilty of trolling people in news feeds, like, on uh, the comment section of news articles. But a lot of the times, like, even people I've known, I guess I never realized how racist they were up until the past four years. Yeah. Um, They're coming out of the closet with their racism. <laughs> seriously. Um, and I always, like, rather than start an argument with a lot of people, I'll say, like, look, a lot of your facts are wrong. 
I'm here. Like, I can explain to you how immigration works because I've lived it. I can tell you how hard it is to even get, like, a permanent status here, how expensive it is, how people can't just do it the right way, you know? Um, Not that there really is a right way because it's so convoluted. Nobody knows what the right way is. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Like, it's, like, 10 years. Like, seriously, you know? And, And what gets me is when people say, yeah, but you're not like like the rest of them oh but I am like think about it sure I didn't come here like I didn't swim across a river or I didn't come from like a poor part of the country or you know whatever like sure you may see me and think that I'm different than other immigrants but I'm not like it's 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 like it's the same story well it's the same story basically just different you know, arts. Yeah. Like I am one of them. Like I am an immigrant and it's so insulting and so hurtful. And when people say, but you aren't like the rest of them. Yeah. Like, you know, and I'm so proud of the fact that my mom and my dad, even having held a job so they did in Honduras, like came here and said, I'm willing to do whatever job I have to do to make my family succeed. You know, like, yeah. Seeing my mom come home from cleaning houses, like, my dad coming home after like a long day in construction, you know, not having health insurance either. Like if my parents ever got sick, if my dad ever had an injury, that's all out of pocket expense. Not only that, but he, 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 it's not like he was getting paid for his time off if he got injured, you know, right. He couldn't take advantage of this system and apply for, for Medicaid and take your money and your, you know, <laughs> your, no. I think it's so ridiculous when people are like, oh, the immigrants get all the benefits. Now, are there states that offer some benefits to undocumented immigrants? Yes, but not the benefits people are thinking in their head. It's minimal. It's very minimal in comparison to what people are Virginia is so strict too. So my dad, he had a massive stroke in 2011. Um, at that point, we already had our, you know, our green card. So we were legal, legal residents and everything. Um, at that point, my dad was disabled, like he couldn't, he couldn't speak, he could barely like move and walk, he couldn't work, like he really couldn't. But even then, because he was not a US citizen, my dad didn't qualify for Medicaid or for any type of disability, even though at that point, he was here legally and had that green card. He didn't qualify. So how are you going to tell me, like, oh, yeah, like, immigrants come here and steal, like, all of our health coverage? Dude, my dad's here legally, still couldn't, you know? Yeah. So. It's crazy. What he's great think- now, by the way, but. Yeah. <laughs> he's ridiculous. Her dad's great. I wish he would adopt <laughs> me. Because. He would. My parents are not the best in the world. And he just, I love the pictures you share of him <laughs> with the kids and everything. And, you know, he's when ridiculous. everything was shut down and you're like posting like my dad checked on me today. <laughs> Look, he is just, he's crazy. He, he, he's crazy. <laughs> and well, I he- hope he never hears I hope he never listens to this podcast because then he'll hear how like highly I think of him and then it'll just make his head bigger. And yeah, but ladies, he is single. He's 58. He's pretty great looking. I'd like to think because I'm his daughter and I'm like, I look amazing, but <laughs> I would say yet for a man that's 58, <laughs> your dad is a good looking man. So, so anyone over the age of 32, because I don't want to spend mom younger than me. 
So maybe let's set the bar a little higher, like 40. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> because I'm only 34. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm like your dad's a little too old for me yeah. <laughs> don't want you being my stepmom I mean well there's no. Jeremy too I mean but. yeah I'm, and I'm married you know uh, he just my husband actually just turned 36 yesterday oh <laughs> but that's still young you guys are young still. and I told him I was like now you're closer to 40 than you are 30 <laughs> Someone was celebrating their 40th, their sister's 40th birthday the other day. I'm like, man, I didn't realize, like, she and her sister had such a huge age gap. And I'm like, no, Renee, you're stupid. You're 32. Like, that's not a huge age gap. (laughs) We're getting older. We're getting older. So um, before we wrap up, what are some things that you think would be helpful to see as changes with the immigration system and you know I've said it before I'm like it needs to be easier and people are like it doesn't need to be easier we don't need all these people and I'm like fucking a like yeah we're not, we're not missing out having more people in this country is not making things any worse <laughs> my thing is like my thing is people are already here they're already doing your job not doing your job but you know what I mean like taking yeah taking jobs, not, no, hold on, that came out wrong. They're not taking anyone's jobs, but they're already here working. So my thing is, you make them legal and think about not everyone pays taxes. Like my parents were honest and did do their taxes, but they weren't required to. Imagine all the money that the government could make having a lot more legal immigrants here. And it doesn't necessarily mean like, let's make everyone's citizens which is another misconception like you can't just immediately become a citizen like there's a path to citizenship you know um but i think that first of all it needs to be more affordable because realistically most people can't afford the price tag for a green card a lot of the times you also need an immigration lawyer and that's another expense too Mm -hmm. not everyone can afford that so definitely they need to revise the prices, I think. Um, on top of that, the requirements for you to be able to even qualify for legal status in the country, because as of right now, like I said, unless you're, you qualify for like asylum or unless a family member petitions you, it's really hard for you to even become a resident, you know? So what happens with all those people that come from really small towns that don't know anyone in the states that can sponsor them or who for whatever reason won't qualify for an asylum um wait yes petition to be like granted they're just going to immigrate here illegally and if that's what you're trying to avoid then make them more accessible like change your rules like a lot of so in order for you to be in the States, you also have to prove that you are contributing financially. But my thing is, if you already have that as a requirement, why can't you take away the requirement of family members for like being able to, having to petition you for everyone and maybe just say like, okay, come here, prove to us that you can work and you can contribute to society and work your way towards, you know, a legal um, status here. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. Um, and I agree with you. The price needs to, the price tag needs to come down. 
Like, because if you're going to have it at like $5,000 just for the price tag, not including the immigration lawyer and stuff like that, which is about what I think Brenda said that she paid to yeah. in addition to her, what um, her, her attorney who I guess screwed them over. Everybody needs to listen to that. Oh, we got screwed uh, over the first time too. Yeah. Yeah. So like you get these, these immigration attorneys that don't do the right thing. And then now you have to pay for another one to reapply again. And now you have to pay all the application fees all over again. Like, a lot of them are notaries passing off as lawyers. And a lot of, a lot of people that come from our countries, um, are not necessarily educated enough to be able to understand the difference. So when my grandpa, he was the one that filed our petition, he was tricked by a notary into thinking that he was a lawyer that was qualified to file our petition. So another reason our petition was delayed was because it was done wrong. Um, and then we had to pay more money again for a lawyer to be able to correct that and file it correctly. And I mean, that's time wasted. That's time that if ICE, for whatever reason, comes up to you and detains you, they could deport you, even though you're trying to do things right, you know? Right. And people need to understand that immigrants don't necessarily want to leave their country. They're forced to. A lot of these people, like, our countries are beautiful, not just you know, with everything, like the people down there, they're welcoming, they're loving, like the culture, just everything. If people are leaving, it's, it's because they really have no choice. Yeah. Um, you know, so. But you know, like that price tag, you're now targeting, you're not targeting lower income people. You're targeting mid middle to high income people with a $5,000 price tag. Yeah. People, the people that they have, detained in cages all over the United States. Those people don't have $5,000. No. Asylum seekers don't have $5,000. They're leaving where they, where they came from with the very few possessions they have so they can come. And from what I heard about asylum seekers, if you don't follow the convoluted rules to a T, you're not going to get approved for asylum. So you're stopped at the border. Mm -hmm. And you can't even come across. Another thing that really pisses me off, am I, I'm allowed to say that, right? Yeah, I already dropped that bomb like twice. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Is that people will say, well, that's the parents' fault for bringing their kids. Like, that's why they're in cages. Like, they shouldn't blame us. Like, the parents shouldn't have, I'm sorry, I'm a parent. And the thought of leaving my kids behind, yes, like, maybe things could have been done a little bit differently or whatever, but I would hate to have to leave my kids behind. My mom and my dad always talked that about the fact that if we were going to move here, it was going to be all of us together. We're no, we yeah. were not going to be separated. And you don't know the circumstances that led that family right. to have to leave together. Like, do you really think these parents want to say, hmm, yes, let me take my kid for a field trip across the river and like possibly end up in a cage? Like, no, like, come on, have a, have a heart, you know? Or travel hundreds of miles on foot from yes. the, the, the place they grew up in. What drives people to do that? It's not because they're like, oh, yeah, America, let's just go there. I'm going like, to go rape people and steal. Right. Like, come on, get over it. Like, I, I just, I'm horrified that there's kids in cages. I'm horrified oh, that yeah. there are people in cages, but much less kids. For God's sakes, like, have a heart. 
like, I've seen the pictures. Like, that, I have kids, and I just can't. I'm like, can, can they all come live in my house? <laughs> I look at those pictures, and I, it, it, I just think, like, had immigration ever gotten a hold of me and my family, that could have been me. I mean, realistically, like, sure, we were here, under, we came here under different circumstances or whatever, and in different ways. But at the end of the day, if my parents ever ha- were ever to have been locked up, I would have ended up in a cage with my siblings. Like, yeah. who does that? Like, these are kids. A lot of them don't even know what's going on. They don't speak the language. All they see are these like terrifying people with guns and that they're in a cage, you know? And imagine so. the trauma that those kids are going to have for the rest of their lives. Like, exactly. If they get out of there. Like, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say if they can make it out, like, because some of them aren't, some of them are dying in these cages. Exactly. And, you know, even though I was never subjected to like cages and all that, and I think I had it pretty easy compared to a lot of other people, like, I really think I got lucky. Um, but my mental health suffered from that, from not knowing if my dad was going to come home for work, from work every night, or if someone was going to come knocking on our door in the middle of the night. Like, I have horrible anxiety. Like, <laughs> like my mental health suffered from all those 10 years, you know, and my parents did their very best to, to avoid that from happening, and it still did. Imagine, imagine those kids and all the trauma. Yeah. So, so immigration stories are, are, are different, but they're the same at the same exactly. time. Like I, like I've mentioned a couple of times, I really want to encourage people to listen to Brenda's and you can hear the differences in the stories, but the similarities. And it's, you know, I really asked you to be on Renee, because like you said, you share very openly about your immigration story and you're like, we did the things and it wasn't enough. Like, we could have easily yeah. been deported at any point in time. You, you had to wait 10 years, 10 freaking years. If like, my family tried to do it the right way, I imagine people that can't. You know? Right. So, I mean, no wonder people are here undocumented. <laughs> Why wouldn't you be spend <laughs> thousands of dollars and wait 10 years to become like, get your green card. You need, That's not even becoming like, a U.S. citizen, that's just being like, oh, you're able to stay in the United States right now. Yeah. Which green cards they can revoke at any point in time. They can, yeah. So you guys spent all of that money for and time for something that could have been revoked if somebody was just feeling if like our, they wanted to. Exactly. If our loving president felt like, man, you know what? Nah, for some reason, I feel like um, this is going to exclude you from keeping your green card. So no, when it's up for renewal, you're not going to get it. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm an American, so you can't kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. I will vote against you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I wanted to clarify that. So people know is like, up until you became a U.S. citizen, you could have been deported at any point in time, even though you spent all that money in time. Like, and you know what gets me? Is that people say, like, support our troops, this isn't that. Do you realize that I'm married to, I mean, well, obviously you know this, but someone in the military, and I could have easily, for whatever reason, if someone felt like it deported me, but you're talking about support our troops? Like, do you realize most of our troop members, a lot of them are immigrants or come from immigrants, you know? Yeah, or have spouses who are immigrants. Right? 
I have a, a few friends that I've met throughout the years um, that actually, whose parents came here illegally and the service members were legal residents. And once they joined, that's when they got their citizenship. Gotcha. So, but I mean, people are just ignorant. All that it really takes is a conversation. Like, yeah, you, you can be pro-Trump against immigration, whatever, and you want to say, like, Renee, you know what? I have a few questions. Can I approach you? And, like, maybe you can clarify this for me. Bring it. Like, I'll gladly sit down with you. But don't say, like, oh, I hate all immigrants. I'm not, like, open to discussion. I just hate all immigrants because they need to do it the right way. I don't know where that voice is. So, it's so stupid. It really is. <laughs> I've read articles about, you know, military spouses being deported. Yeah. You know, I, like, are you kidding me right now? I got accused of not being a good military spouse because I don't, because su- <laughs> I don't support Trump. Which I think I saw that. I think I saw that. Yeah. And they were like, like, Trump has done the best for the military of all presidents. And I was just like, um, where I'm standing, we're no better off than we were four years ago. <laughs> like, like, thank you. Uh, yeah, no, my husband is currently serving in the military so that I can have a say because guess what he's fighting for all of our freedoms as is your husband so yeah, I actually had somebody one time like was spouting off about Kaepernick and I Megan I bet your husband would agree with me because you know that's disrespectful to military members so I turned to Jeremy and I said babe what you think about this and he said I serve in the military to protect people's freedoms I can't say that somebody kneeling is being disrespectful to me. Right? <laughs> He's oh, like, I don't, I don't care. me. I'm kneeling. <laughs> he just was so, so confused. And that's the thing that people don't get is that when people are kneeling, it, they're not saying they hate our military. Like, when did that become a thing? When did the yeah. United States flag become synonymous with being in the military? Mm. I didn't know they were the same thing. <laughs> like I, that, a lot of things in the past four years, I didn't Mind realize. Like, like, what is going on? I don't know. I can't explain any of it. This is why I'm not on social media right now. <laughs> okay, Renee, we have gone on so long. It's been such a great conversation. So as we wrap this up, is there anything that you'd like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? Do your research. Like, if there's something that you don't understand, ask someone that's been in that position, whether it's immigration or just something else. All it takes is a conversation to clear up a lot of misunderstandings. And I think that's what our country needs right now. Yes. And just a little research. Just a little Sorry. research. <laughs> not, um, not your high school friend. <laughs> not your high school friends. Not Fox News. <laughs> Actually, no news media for that matter. Like, do your actual research. Legit research. Like, <laughs> legit sources. Like, is this coming from a government government website or Fox News? One of those is not like the other. <laughs> Find your sources from either .gov, .org, or .edu. <laughs> I feel like so many people did not take that class or they slept through the portion of the class where they talked about reliable sources. Well, yeah. Fox News is not one of them. And to no. be fair, neither is CNN, so whatever, right. but, you know. Yes. I mean, when it comes to news articles, because certain things only come through the news, if they all say 
I, I go by like I look at different ones and I'm like I'll take the pieces that they all say the same thing yeah probably right but I'm not about to take the pieces where they're all disagreeing because they're probably all wrong exactly so nope <laughs> well this has been such a great conversation thank you uh, for having me yes thank you for coming on so um yeah thank you for coming on no of course it's a pleasure and I can't wait to go back and put the link for that one podcast up because I do want to I, I do want to go back and, and listen to that Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.